And welcome back to the Beyond the Water podcast. I'm your host, Cooper. I appreciate you guys tuning in every week. I know that this episode is a few days later than what they typically are. It is Wednesday, January 4th. I typically have these out on Monday. But with the holiday season and just life going on, I decided that I was just going to put this off for a few extra days until I had an opportunity to sit down, record it, something that I felt, you know, was quality, but also something that I rushed through just to get out to meet a deadline. That That's going to probably always be first and foremost when I'm working through these. But, you know, I'm real excited to jump into the topic for this week. This will be going live as soon as I've got this recorded, which may be, you know, 11 o'clock or 11.30 at this rate. But, you know, it'll be there for you come Thursday morning. But hopefully by Monday, we'll have part two out of this little mini-series that we've decided to start the year off with. And that will get us back on track of getting all these out on Monday. But yeah, let's jump right into it today. We're going, we're starting our mini-series on the teachings of Jesus. This is the part one of a little four-part series that is going to focus on Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is later down in its own separate series for reasons that we're not going to jump into right now because that's just not the uh, sound we're going for here. But focusing on the Synoptic Gospels, because, you know, similar but different, because they're written from different people's perspectives. And throughout them, we have all these, you know, teachings of Jesus, which in the Bible, they're called parables. You know, Jesus, there's a recorded that Jesus taught about 30 of them throughout the different uh, Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, in his three, and this is just, remember, this isn't his three years of earthly ministry. This isn't like his lifetime work. This is in three years. So in three years, he spent time teaching these 30 lessons that he deemed necessary to teach before, you know, the the cross, before his death and resurrection. These were the things that he's like, this is the most important aspects. And so I like, to me, I think that's something that, you know, I'm not trying to put too much emphasis on it, but when you think about it, God came down in human form, and these were the 30 things, about 30 things that he thought were the most important things to teach. And I think we maybe take light of it and like, hey, this is a good story, teaches a good moral lesson, it's something that we should probably listen to and follow along. But I also think that it could be misconstrued as these are the most important things ever. But I mean, I think again, I get a little bit ahead of myself here, but that is something that we are going to talk about. And, and, but, and, you know, I just want this to be something that is like practical. I've always wanted to be practical. And, and, and teaching, and I say teaching, I'm not really teaching, but talking about these things and seeing how they apply to my life, how they can apply to life in general, I think is going to help those who are like, hey, I don't really understand what Jesus taught. I don't get it at all. Like, he's talking about some crazy things. What does he mean? That's what this is all going to be all about. You know, and when you, when you think of a parable, it's just, 
you know, it's a fancy term for a, you know, it's a story that is told to illustrate truth. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people think that what Jesus taught was very good moral truth. Well, I want to, I want to call them life truth throughout this, you know, these are truths that we should hold near and dear to us throughout life. And, you know, it's the way he taught was it to bring it up in a context that people would understand. And that's what I'm kind of hoping to do through this little mini series is to put it in a context that people in 2023, because, you know, it is 2023 now, understand. So we're just going to jump in. We're going to we're going to hold on. I've got some notes in front of me here. And we're going to try to stay focused. We're going to try to stay on point. And I've got some soapbox moments. I mean, it's going to happen. If you've listened all along, you know I enjoy my soapbox moments. But jumping in, we're going to talk about things that were lost. And I think these are some of the most popular teachings of Jesus. I'm going to say that from a perspective of what's taught in church a lot. I've seen these taught a lot. You know, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin. You know, you can go down to the parable of the prodigal son, which we're not going to talk about today. That's that's later on. But these are some of the most taught parables, I think, in church today. Because they are something that is, I think, we can all relate to. And, you know, and, I, and I've lumped these together because they go together, first and foremost. But secondly, I just kind of want to lay out some thoughts that I found while going through these because I I wanna I just want to pose some critical thinking thoughts I guess is the best way to describe them. They're not crazy questions or anything like that, but they're just some thoughts that I had. I was like, huh, I wonder if other people have ever had these thoughts. But you know. So looking at the parable of the lost sheep, we find that in Luke 15, in the first seven verses of Luke 15. And in, and through this series, I am going to read a lot more of the scripture than I may have typically. Um, you know, I like to summarize it from time to time to try to keep our, our time down a little bit. But I think it's important to hear scripture um, in these sections because like, it's going to help us with context. Of everything. So, starting in Luke 15, verse 1, he says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in an open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he f- has found it, he lays it on his shoulder- shoulders, rejoicing. And what when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So, looking at this right off the bat, I, I, we, we don't tend to sheep in the same manner. You know, we don't have a shepherd boy tending out there in the sheep. Making sure they're all safe, because you gotta think about it. Shepherds back then they were they were holding off bears, lions, tigers, other people. Like they they were tough and rough dudes that were capable of handling just about anything. But 
they would have been in deep trouble if they ever lost a sheep. You know, they could have lost their job. They could have lost their lives. It, it, that was the way they cared for their family. And if they were to lose that, that would just that would have been devastating to them. There wasn't been no way for them to recoup the money that they either made or, you know, recoup the money they made off the sheeps. Like, there's just things that there was there was greater implications than just losing a sheep. And I know we're th- you're thinking to yourself, but, you know, one animal, whatever, you still have 99 of them. I don't think the numbers are what's important here. I think the numbers are there to just kind of help us put in context of how much greater 99 is than one, which I'm getting to. But I think it, it's the, the, the severity of losing one sheep back then would be like the severity of... Actually, I don't know. I can't think of anything that's that severe off the top of my head. But it'd be like losing. Uh, you had you you were sent to the store with a hundred dollars and you lost ten of ten of them. You know, so what you wanted to buy you can't buy now because it was ninety five dollars and now you only have ninety. And that's like a very simplistic, very easy concept to be like. Well, yeah, it sucks, but I'll just get something else. But what if that $95 was groceries for the week? You lost 10. Now you don't have food for the week. And I know you're thinking, well, you could just get less. But no, what if you needed everything on that list? So, you know, like when you start putting things in context and context, it's like, oh, the severity of this is a lot higher than what I originally had ever thought. So he goes out, he finds it. It'd be like you're walking home. You've lost your $10 and you find it on a sidewalk. You're not just going to hold that in. You know, that's, that's going to be some excitement for you. That's going to be excitement for your family now because, you know, the groceries you couldn't afford, you can now reafford, and everything's going to be, you know, more copacetic. It's going to be happy. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be exciting. You're not going to be like, oh, it's no big deal. No, you're going to rejoice because now you have food for the week. In the same concept here, this this the shepherd's gone out and he's found it. He's rejoicing. The ninety nine are safe. They're in an open field. They're safe. They're fine. But they, they but he finds that one. He finds that one that's kind of roaming, kind of out there on his own. Just hold on to that for a second. Just 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 hold on to that thought process right there. Hold on to the idea of one on his own roaming. Because we're coming back to it here. He rejoices once it's been found. And then verse 7. See, this is where I think people are like, oh, so, you know, God's not going to be happy with 99 people who are already believing in him. And then finds one more that isn't. So now you're, you know, I I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to break it down to that. But what I want to say is like 99 righteous persons. So 99 people who believed in the law back then. Is what he's getting at, you know the 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 five, the five books of the Old Testament that constitute law. That you know, mostly Old Testament is made up of law, but those first five books are very important with the law, and so they would have had these memorized most likely because you know they didn't have cell phones to look them up or, you know, even physical copies of the Bible that would have been passed down from generation to generation with. Only a handful of people like knowing them, most likely in the sense of that these 99 righteous were very well studied. 
very well understood the scriptures. But the the difference is like they they weren't thinking they needed repentance because they believed in the law and they've held up to the law in their eyes and human eyes, not in God's eyes, but in human eyes. They held on th- themselves up to the law, and so therefore they were fine. They were then they didn't need to do anything else. But you had this one, this one over here. He's roaming. He's by himself. He's kind of lost. He's confused. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And he runs to the shepherd, which is Jesus. And, and, that, and that's where I'm going with this here. The, sh- the shepherd, Jesus. But this one, he runs to Jesus. He runs to the shepherd. And in that context, he's repented of his sin. He's like, the, the law is great. The law is fine. I, I can follow the law. But I need the shepherd. I need this repentance that I can't gain on my own. And that is where you see heaven rejoice in this context of, of this parable. In the context of the parable, that's, that's heaven rejoicing over that, that individual who's like, yeah, I can hold up to the law, but that's nothing without the, the shepherd. The shepherd. Capital T. On that. And, you know, I, I think... I think it's easy to just look at this and and be like, yeah, that's great, Cooper. You know, I know this. You're telling me things that I already knew. But I I want you to think back to our our little Christmas series where we talked about shepherds. Shepherds were the first people there. Real-life shepherds were the first people to see Jesus in the manger. With animals, because he is the shepherd. Making sense? Putting the pieces together? Connecting the dots? Having the association of that, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. What I'm getting at is when we look at the lost sheep, when we look at that shepherd who's out searching, that, that's what Jesus does for us. You know, he wants to seek us out to find that relationship. And he's done that through the cross. Now, then it's our turn to repent. It's our turn to turn to him and understand that without him, there's nothing we can do. We may be, quote unquote, good people. But at the end of the day, just being a, quote unquote, good person isn't going to get us anywhere. We can follow the rules. We can have good morals. We can have a clean conscience. We cannot, you know, we can follow the Ten Commandments, yada, yada. That's great. And I'm not taking away from any of that. But at the end of the day, if we don't take that turn, if we don't turn our lost into found, then, then what, what, what are we doing? What has been done for, what have we done that says, yeah, I'm good. Bring me, bring me into heaven. Heaven rejoice over me, you know, and I think that it's easy to get caught up in the, in the idea that there's, it's easy, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, um, when I say this, just a heads up, it's easy to get caught up in the Christianese of the parable, you know. Oh, rejoice for me, with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. 
you know, oh, heaven's going to have more joy over one sinner who repents. And, you know, the Christianese in this is like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Sinners repentance. But that doesn't mean. That doesn't come without change. And this is this is why I've lumped these two together. We've had this situation where he's talking about a lost sheep, but then he goes into this. And so starting in verse eight, it says, or what woman having ten civil coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice for me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He repeats himself there. So verse 10 and verse 7 are the identical in what he's talking about. You know, he's talking about sinner's repentance. You know, verse 9 and verse 6, identical. Rejoice for me, for I found what I have lost. But where I find just the slightest bit of difference. is in the way that, you know, this, that the, the, they were, I don't want to say respond, because they both do the same thing in the sense that they, you know, they both lose something and they both go to try to find it. I think what gets me, in, especially in the, the ESV here, is the seek diligently until she finds it. I think that's, that's what I, I go and I'm like, Seek diligently. Am I seeking diligently after God? I, I'm not just. I'm not saying that the 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 shepherd doesn't do that. You know, but it's not worded that way for him. It's worded as um, go after the one that is lost until he is until he finds it. Which okay, same concept. But to me, when you throw in that adverb of diligently. It, it it's like, yeah, I'm doing this, and it's the last thing I'm doing today. I I will not rest until I have done this. Whereas I think with the shepherd, as I read it, you know, he can go after it until it's found, but at what pace, you know? And that's where I think that this the slightest bit of difference for me is as that was what I noticed here is just in that one little adverb. And it got me thinking, how often am I diligently seeking after what I've, you know, what I've lost or what I should be seeking? I, you know, I do this podcast and it's like, well, yeah, I do that so I could study the Bible more and blah blah blah. I mean, like, yeah, that's great, but I, you know, it, it is it diligently. Am I diligently always seeking after God when I'm doing that, or am I just writing down some thoughts and on a piece of paper and moving on with my life until the next time I'm recording? Am I truly seeking God diligently on a daily basis? And you know. I, yeah, I got Bible studies I'm reading on the U version app, which I'm not knocking because I, I, or I use it all the time. It, it's great. It's a great tool to help me study the Bible. But my point being is there's so much that goes into that. I feel like, you know, that's prayer without ceasing. That's loving their neighbors. That's, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, all these things that go into 
this idea of being very diligent, this idea of seeking after something that I'm just trying to find, but am struggling to find. But the last thing I'm going to do before I do anything else is find it. I am looking up the definition of diligently real fast, if I could spell it correctly. (laughs) Spelling is apparently very difficult when it's late. In a way that shows care in one's work or duties. It gives the um, example of he spends nights diligently working on this dissertation. You know, to show care. To show care in one's work or duties. I'm not going to say it's a duty or or work, you know, like a work, like a job. And I think that's really what they're going after there. I'm not going to say it's a duty or work to follow and seek after God. Does it take work? I Yes. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that life is rainbows and gumdrops while you're trying to seek after God. Um, if I told you that, that would be a lie. And... We'll get to that one because (laughs) that's one of my favorite, favorite stories. Stories? Historical narratives in the Bible. And (laughs) it may take work, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. You know, it's, it's worth it. I can't say anything other than it's worth it. But it does take you know, it takes us care. It takes conscious effort to daily seek after him. And kind of thinking through all of this, and I honed in on a word, and I do that from time to time. I hone in on certain words in the Bible or certain words in a text of in a book or whatever. Certain words. I, I really just, I don't know why. It is what it is. It's how my brain functions. It's how my brain takes it. And so... When I was looking at this and I honed in on this word and I honed in on diligently, I was like, all right, what, what, what does it take to be someone who is diligently seeking God? And the first thing you got to do is you got to live like you've lost something. In this case, what we have lost in the grand scheme of the, of the text today is our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God, because of sin that into the world in Genesis 3. We see the fall of man, sin enters the world, we become disconnected, we need Jesus to come die on the cross so we can be reconnected. That's what we lost. We didn't just lose a coin or a sheep. We lost a relationship with the creator of the world. And that may not be as mind-boggling to you as it is to me, but like that's something that I'm like, we definitely can't take this for granted anymore. Because if we do then we're doing a disservice to our creator. If we're not living like we've lost that and we're, you know, fine being quote-unquote good people with quote-unquote good morals, then we've done a poor job at living like we're lost. 
or we've lost something or lost. Either way, both of those both of those thought processes work. You know, and, and then on the flip side of that coin, if we're living like we've lost something or that we are lost, you know, God diligently seeks that relationship with us every single day. You know, he's given us opportunity after opportunity to hear the gospel, to see the gospel, to, to, to be a part of that again. He, he gave us that, that opportunity to have that relationship with him. He sent Jesus to die on the cross. He, he sent that bridge to be able to have that connection again. You know, we have the opportunity to go to him in prayer without having someone in between us. Like, there's all these things that he's done for us that I think, as Christians, we take we take for granted sometimes. You know, okay, I maybe I shouldn't generalize it because maybe most people don't. But there's times where I'm like, yeah, I take this for granted. I hundred percent take this for granted. Should I? No, but do I? Of course I do. And I think we all do from time to time, not intentionally. When I'm not saying that anyone intentionally takes things like that for granted. I'm saying that we unintentionally take it for granted because we don't give it the the gravity that it deserves. You know, and so when we're when we're living lost, living like we've lost something or living like we're lost, and we remember that Jesus and God, you know, they seek after us as if we are lost because we we are that that should give us a few a few like pushing push a few pushes that's the word I was looking for a few pushes you know the first push we should get is like we need to be daily you know in in the word we need to be devouring devouring scripture on a daily basis and i say to the word devouring because like we need to be hungry for it I think it's easy to get stagnant. I know I can get stagnant. That's one reason why I enjoy you, Virgin, because I can keep I can keep devouring the word on a daily basis, but in ways that may be like, oh, this week I'm going to study on wisdom. Next week I'm going to study on um, anxiety. The following week I'm going to do something on the book of James, or you know, I can I can keep changing it up. I can keep that interest peak, which I think is another issue. But that's you know. This is a side conversation now because we live in a world of such instant gratification that, you know, we can't see what, what that gratification is going to look like on the other side of in heaven. On the other side in heaven, we don't, we, we, as humans, we can't comprehend that. As living humans, we can't comprehend that. But I think that the gratification aspect of life that we live in that like, oh, this has to keep my interest in order to do it, you know, is, is, it sucks, to put it bluntly. It sucks that we have come to that point in our lives as a whole that we have to keep things changing. And again, I'm as guilty of it as the person next to me. But that being said, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with you know that, that need for the change to keep our peak interest. But if we are diligently seeking after God and devouring scripture on a daily basis, then I don't think that becomes as big as an issue. I think then we have that desire, we have that want, we have that conscientious effort to go do it. And that that is, at the end of the day, where I think, you know, 
I think, not that I'm, I'm going to be reading between the lines here, but I think that's where Jesus is driving his point here, that they're consciously seeking after these things that are lost. They're consciously seeking after this lost relationship with God that we now have the ability to have, because we have the full Bible. We have the ability to see him and come to him in prayer. We have the ability to worship him freely. We have all these abilities, but, but we don't always do it. We don't always live like we've lost that. We're not that, that shepherd or that woman who are, are like seeking after these lost items like it's the last thing they're going to ever do. I, that, that's, we got to have that burn in us that's like, this has to be the most important thing to me. This has to be the most important thing in my life. Because without it, then we've, again, missed the boat. We've missed the big picture that I think Jesus was trying to drive home here. And, you know, I think there's some other concepts that could easily be taken away here. And the big one is, you know, you know, sharing the gospel with those who are lost. Because if you look at seven and, verses 7 and 10, you see that, like, the rejoicing of heaven and of angels of sinners who repent. And I think that's important. I really, really think that's super, super important that as believers, we need to be sharing the gospels with the, the gospel with those who don't believe, with those who don't maybe understand, who are those who haven't heard. I, I think that's important, and I'm not trying to take away from the, the gravity of that. But as believers, as, as a believer who has already accepted you know, that Jesus came, died for my sin, so that I could have a relationship with him. As a believer, I need to have that diligent seeking of, you know, that lost relationship. I need to live as if I don't, if I don't find it, it it's detrimental to my life. And, and it is. Maybe not so much on this side of heaven, but <laughs> the... Inevitable reality is that at some point, we won't be here. We will die. And I'm not trying to get into this, like, existential crisis mode here. But we will die at some point. And if we haven't lived that way, when we stand before God, when we stand before the creator of the world, and we give an account of our life, and we're like, yeah, we were good. But we didn't live diligently seeking after the lost relationship. But I think we are good. What do you think? He's, I mean, like, man, he's going to say get away. And that, I can't, I can't live my life knowing that there's people out there that that's a possibility. And so that, that's a big reason why I'm, I've done this. But I also want to encourage, you know, the believers in a sense of like, do it. Get hungry. You know, start devouring scripture. Start seeking that lost relationship with God like like you've never had before. You know, it's the beginning of the year. And I am not gonna say I'm big on New Year's resolutions or anything, but I, I do set I set goals for myself on a on a for a year, for a week, for a month, whatever it might be. I've set goals for myself and one of them is to spend every day in the word. So far, so good. I'm only four days in. We'll see how that goes as life gets busier. But as life gets busier, if I've developed the habit of daily devouring the word, that's a habit that shouldn't change. That's that's a habit that shouldn't be 
ending. That's a habit that I should already have developed by the time life gets busy. And then I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm still devouring the word. I'm still diligently seeking after what I've lost. And again, I'm not saying you lose. I'm not even going to go down that path and scratch that idea. I'm not, not going down there. That's a conversation that if you know me and you want to have that conversation in person, just give me a buzz if you think you know where I was going with that statement. Because uh, that's not one I'm having here. But as I wrap up tonight, as I wrap up today, I don't know when you guys are listening. So as I wrap up, I want to leave you with, you know, that encouragement of, you know, God seeking after you like you're lost. He gave you every he's given us every opportunity to accept him, to believe in him. You know, Jesus came. He, he became a man. He didn't have to, but he did. He died on the cross, which. Again, he didn't have to, but he did. For you, for me, for our sins. And if no one's told you, you are a sinner. You've committed sins. You're going to commit sins. But through, through the grace of God, through the, we have that, that sacrifice that cleanses us, again, white as snow. And if you haven't had that opportunity, if you haven't heard that, that God wants that relationship with you. I, I, I need you to know that he does. His greatest, in my opinion, his greatest desires is to have a relationship with everyone that has ever come and everyone who will. And just know that it's as simple as saying a little prayer, saying, God, I, I want to accept you into my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. And I know I will make mistakes. But I know that by grace, you save me, and by faith, I believe in you. And so, I just want to encourage, you know, my non-believers that listen that, hey, there's a God out there that loves you, there's a God out there that wants that relationship with you, and there's a God that will listen to that little prayer that I, you know, you don't have to say the exact words, don't repeat what I say, do it your way. Find, find, find God your way, but find the real God your way. Be that lost sheep that God finds. And then once you've been found, seek after him like you've lost that, like you will lose that relationship or that you've lost that relationship with God. Diligently seek after him. Get hungry. Devour the word. Enjoy every second you get to spend in the word because, you know, at some point it may not be as easy as it is today. But know that, as always, you can come, you can listen. To our podcast, we will be in the word. We are going to continue to be in the word. And that's what we're going to do. I just want to thank you for listening to part one of our little mini-series on the teachings of Jesus. Look forward to part two. Hopefully it will be out on Monday. I think is the 9th. Monday the 9th. It should be out. Fingers crossed. Barring no unforeseen circumstances. Because you never know what could happen in life. But the plan is to have it out Monday. And every Monday following. And if you listen to last week's, you can check the box for one of 52 podcasts out this week. Eh, just kidding. Don't do that. But anyways, thanks for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to live life beyond the water. See you next week.